Well, those aren't expectations to live up to this morning. I hope you have a notebook. If you have a notebook, um, I ask you to pull them out because this is going to be very different because normally uh, I preach a sermon and, I've, and people ask me, Am I, are you preaching Sunday? Are you giving the message? I say, well, I'm, I'm speaking because this is kind of a, a different focus because Mark came to me several months ago. If you have a Bible, uh, turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 1. Mark came to me, you know, we start, actually, you know, it's funny, it started a conversation um, last July, the first week of July between John and I. I was standing, I was sitting in the back on a Wednesday night, and I remember looking around and I felt off, and I just, I felt very off, and uh, it's like something, something's not right. So I remember walking outside, talking to John before we left. It, it couldn't have been July, before July, it was in June because we were off in July. It was a Wednesday night. So in June, I, I walked outside, and John, I know, probably remembers this conversation. I said, John, you know, I told him my emotions and my feelings and stuff, and I said, man, I just feel off. And he looked at me square in the face and said, because you're not in God's will. You're not doing what God's called you to do. Thanks for beating around the bush a little bit, making <laughs> me feel good. Man! And, uh, and he just told me, he said, man, I believe God's about to do some incredible things, and you're going to come into an incredible season. And he has, but at the same time, it's been very uncomfortable because what I've seen God do is begin to strip away from me areas in which I was comfortable, in which I was okay with, in which I was thriving at. And the best way I can describe it is just like you're pruning flowers. Sometimes you have to cut off flowers. You have to cut off living things so that the plant can actually grow and produce more fruit. And so what God was started to do last June is start to cut off things in my life um, and prepare me for what he had ahead. And then all of a sudden, uh, later in the year, Mark came to me and, and talked to me about uh, thinking about becoming more intentional. And one of the things we talked about is how we want to become intentional with our Wednesday nights. That's where it started, was just focusing on Wednesday nights. But as I began to pray and as I began to think about uh, where God, what role God was moving us into, because ever since, um, you know, Michelle and I came here four and a half years ago, January of 2013, and we came in kind of as a young adult pastor, and we saw some incredible things happen. I realized this past week, Michelle and I celebrated our ninth anniversary, our wedding anniversary, as we were talking, I said, Michelle, you realize we have been at CLF for over half of our marriage? It's like, man, that's been a long time. And uh, I'll tell you what, I love this church. I love to see what God did at, in young adults. Stevie was here when we first got started. We did things like not a fan and uh, so many different things. But man, I'll tell you, I did some major failures too. I failed too over these past four and a half years. And, and what happened... Uh, June of last year, I'm going somewhere with this. What happened June of last year is God really helped me understand my new role that he was pointing me into is to truly focus on discipleship and teaching at CLF and make that my heart, make that my passion. And so everything in this message is what God has been doing in me. But like Mark said, what you have to understand is all of these notes come after four to five months of John, Mark, and I sitting down and talking, going, what, what do we see God doing at CLF? Where do we want to go? What are we strengths, what are our weaknesses? Because you know how uncomfortable it is to start looking at your weaknesses? It's very uncomfortable. So before I get into all that, let's turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. We're going to read Psalms chapter 1 through 3. Go back one slide. 
Does anybody know what this is, right? It's a tree. How many people have ever looked at all the CLF logos and wondered why on earth we have a tree as the logo? You know I've been here four and a half years and it was just this year I found out where that came from. So all the people who didn't raise your hand, I know you're lying. <laughs> I know better. So this morning we're going to actually talk about where the tree comes from, why we picked that, what begin, belong, becomes comes from. So let's dig in. Psalm chapter 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates on day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by a stream of water, which yields fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. And anybody who has been around Mark Davis or the staff or CLF and had intense conversations, you know that the leadership here wants you to grow deep in your walk with Jesus. We are not here to pad your self-righteousness. We're not here to check your checkbox off in what you believe a Christian is supposed to be. The leadership here desires you to be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of, of water, yielding fruit in your life. We want to see fruit. We want to see you delight in the law of the Lord. We want you to meditate on it day and night, but that's our desires. You have to want that as well. So there's two aspects of this uh, message today. What we as a church want and what you as an individual, your responsibilities are, okay? So, um, looking at this, you know, let me start here. Purpose of the church, biblically, there's a lot of different things, but the main thing I want you to understand is one of the main purposes of the church is in, in, to enable the saints of God for ministry, okay? There's a lot of different things, but one of the things CLF exists for is to enable you to become Christ in culture out there, to, to resource you, to train you to be Christ out there. It's not about who you are in the four walls. It's about what you do when you leave here. So our job is to raise you up, to train you, to resource you, and to enable you to be Jesus out there. Does that make any sense? Okay. So when Mark started uh, throwing this stuff at me, I was reading a book called Follow Me by David Platt. If you look up the CLF app on your phone, it's under book recommendations, spiritual growth. It's a book on discipleship. It is fantastic, but it wrecked me because I started to see all the ways I was failing at this area of discipleship. Because I, I looked at discipleship as a church thing and not as a life thing. I, it, was, it's, it, it wasn't a lifestyle. It was something that I was passionate about, but it was a church thing. It wasn't who I was. It wasn't my calling, you know. And intentional discipleship is an area that we as church, as CLF, have failed. I'm not going to say miserably, but we have failed. That's not a comfortable thing to say, but we have failed. Because see what, over the past four or five months as I've had conversations with a lot of different people, what I've begun to realize is how much we are lacking training people and enabling, preparing people to be Christ when they walk out the doors. When you're here, you are loved unconditionally. There is no place, no church, nothing I have ever seen who accepts people more openly and loving than CLF. Can anybody else attest to that besides me? This is a loving place. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you look like, smell like, act like. It doesn't matter. 
These people, this church will love you unconditionally. We're going to point you to Jesus. We are going to help you understand what the love of Jesus, unconditional love, looks like, feels like you're going to feel it when you walk in this church. I have no doubt in my mind. But what happens after that? So people want to experience Jesus. That's why they come here. So they do. And I believe that passionately. But then what? Yeah, that's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? So that is why, and that's, first of all, he realized it before anybody else did. And then when he talked to me, I went, wow, we are really lacking in some intentionality in building disciples of Christ. So that hopefully, beginning today, will change. Now, granted, again, we have a responsibility and you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to give you opportunities to resource and enable, correct? But it's your responsibility to partner with us in that, to take hold of that, to make that your rallying cry, not just wear the t-shirt, but live it, okay? So understand that going into this. This is going to be a two-part fold. Today, I'm going to show you as a leadership team, as a pastoral staff, including uh, Bill and Steve and the advisory council, that this is where we are now intentionally moving CLF because this is what God has called us to be in Calera, Alabama, okay? All right, so let's define what is the disciple. The keyword study Bible describes a disciple as uh, it means not only to learn, but to become attached to one's teacher and to become his follower in doctrine and in conduct of life. So it literally means to attach, not just follow, but to become one with, to attach. I mean, if you, uh, if you were here during Chip Ingram's sex last, uh, what is it? Love, sex, and lasting relationships. I always, I, I jump right to sex every time. So, so sad. Um, wow, y'all need to loosen up, folks. Um, but here's the, here's the deal. I love what he described. He described sex in that as, imagine two pieces of cardboard, and you put super glue all over the pieces of cardboard. You put them together, and when you try to rip them apart, there's little pieces of cardboard left on each side. That is what a disciple of Christ is. That's what he's defined as, is you are attaching yourself to him. He now becomes one with who you are. You're not just following him. You're not just coming to talk to him on Sunday. It becomes who you are. Colin Brown, in his Dictionary of New Testament Theology, states of discipleship. Jesus' call to discipleship does not mean that a disciple is put in a learning relationship from which he can depart as a master. Let me take a little break right there. Back in, in, in the Hebrew days of, of when this was written, a rabbi would have disciples, would have people they're training, right? And at some point, that disciple would then become a rabbi and disconnect that relationship from his, disciple, or from his rabbi, and now he's a rabbi on his own, which he would then grow and make disciples. He wouldn't have the same disciple-rabbi relationship anymore. That would be broken, right? But the thing that Jesus radically changed everything is this is not, you will never break this. This is not a, once you get to a certain point, you disassociate and you're good, you're good to go. No, it's a relationship that is ongoing for the rest of your life. Colin Brown goes on to say, following Jesus as a disciple means the unconditional sacrifice of his whole life for the whole of his life. And the scriptures to back it up. To be a disciple means to be bound to Jesus and to do God's will. Nowhere, 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 nowhere in the word of God is it encouraged 
talked about as a good thing. What's, you're not going to find it that we prayer, pray a simple prayer and our salvation and walk with Jesus is complete. Nowhere. You're not going to find it. Nowhere does Jesus say, pray this prayer and you're good, you're good to go. Go on living your life. It's not in there. It's not about a prayer. It's a beginning. First John 1, 9 says what? If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Awesome. Don't get me wrong. That's the whole point. Our whole point is to spend eternity with God. We want people to begin that relationship with God. And that only comes through faith, through grace in Jesus. But it doesn't stop there because the truth of the matter is Jesus has clearly outlined that there is a cost and there is a full surrender to following him. We have been saved through our faith in him, but fully surrendering to him is completely separate matter. That is an ongoing dedication lifestyle we must commit to and live to. Luke chapter 14. I'm, I'm trying to slow down. I know I get talking very, very, very quickly, and I apologize, but I've got a lot to get to. So just hang on. Luke 14, 25 through 27. These are the words of Christ. Now the, word, now the large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. For whoever does not take his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is not saying you have to go out and punch your mom in the face. Okay? We know this. But the essence of the matter is, is if the, if in the contrast, if you do not love Jesus so much that it almost seems like hatred, because there is such vast separation between the love you have for Jesus and the love and the commitment you have for your wife. Think about that for a second. You can't even love your wife as much as you love Jesus. That's a big deal. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's not praying a prayer to me. Luke 9, 23 through 26 says, And he, Jesus, was saying to them all, here it goes again, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains, his, if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of holy angels. That's a scary thought as well. Matthew 10, Jesus continues on saying it. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Discipleship, according to Jesus himself, is a fully surrendered, fully committed life to him. Some people want to worship their families more than they do Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, that lady been sitting in the back row is not more important than Jesus. Little cutie wearing around two years old in that began belong become shirt this morning is not important, more important to me than Jesus. He's going to make his own decision. But at the end of the day, when I surrendered my life to God, he gave me two options. Serve yourself and live for yourself or serve and live me. Fully surrendered one way or the other. You can't straddle the line. Revelation 3 says, amen to the faithful and true witnesses. The beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, 
that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Those whom I love, I excuse me, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. Could you characterize, would others in your life characterize your passion and enthusiasm for Jesus and your fully surrendered life to Jesus as zealous? Because that's what it means to be fully surrendered and be a disciple of Jesus. Now, in order to get into begin, belong, become, and where we're going as a church, you need to understand the focus of us as a leadership team is this is our mentality of disciple. This is what we want to see in your life. This is what we expect followers of Jesus to have the mindset of. Granted, as I was praying, I was going to get into this a little bit, but as I was praying about this, God spoke into my heart something. He said, do you realize it took three years for Peter, living with Jesus, seeing the miracles, to get him to the place where he could actually go out and preach boldly? So don't, we don't look at you, and you shouldn't look at you, who you are today, and go, well, I'm not that. There's no way I can live up to that. It's a process. If Paul took three years, excuse me, if Peter took three years of discipling face-to-face with Jesus, seeing the miracle, passing out the bread to the 5,000, it's going to take you some time to get there too. So give yourself a little bit of a break. Those who've been in church a while, I'm not going to give you such a break. I'm just kidding. All right, so what does discipleship look like at CLF? How How do we become, as a body and as a fellowship, how do we take on that responsibility? What does that look like? How are we going to focus? Anybody want to take a guess? Why do we see that everywhere? Because that is who God called CLF to be. And here's a, here's a phrase I wanted you to tell you. And I don't need, did I put this on the slide? If we are going to be intentional and be unified, moving forward as a fellowship and as a body, we need to all be on the same page to what God has called CLF to be in our community. The more unified we are as a church, going in the one direction with the same heart, the more effective we're going to be at reaching the loss for Jesus. Okay? So if we come in here and you're so independently focused that we're only focused in approaching church the way you always have and the way you want to, understand you're not going to be as effective here in this body as God wants you to be. Because God wants us to be united together. Read John 16 and 17. Jesus' prayer for his disciples to be unified, loving one another. Okay? So the goal here, in why I'm here, is to unify us together as a body, saying this is where we're going, let's go. Y'all ready? All right, first word, begin. When you see the word begin, I want you to think of two words, in Christ. And I was trying to put, you got to understand, four months sitting down with Mark and John, you know how many different thoughts we thought of? I mean, there is some serious spiritual depth in that room. And trying to simplify this so everybody can know exactly what CLF is about, it's easy to recite, you know when you see begin, belong, become, what it means, and we're ready to go. That was a little bit difficult, but thanks to my wife who just kept going, no, 
it's too confusing. No, it's too confusing. No, it's too confusing. Help me narrow this down to where John, Mark, and I were all on one page. So the first word is in Christ. Begin is a starting point. We've already talked about and established that the prayer of salvation when we fully surrender to God, that is a starting point. That is a starting point, not the begin part. That's a starting point. The begin is as far as we as a church want to enable and empower you to begin your walk with Christ into a new identity of being in Christ. In Christ. Not who you used to be. You are now in Christ when you fully surrender to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, all things, all things are new. New, brand new, not old, not, you know, somewhat new. You're still old, man. You're still, no, new. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And excuse me, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, I don't know about you, but I have seen a serious conflict of identity in our culture. People do not know who they are. People do not have confidence in who they are. People do not know what it means to follow Jesus. But you know why I say that? How many, let me ask you a question. How many times have you said, and don't, please don't answer this out loud. How many times have you said, or how many times have you thought, I'm a sinner saved by grace? Is that biblical? What did Galatians 2 just say? You're dead. Why do we baptize people? What does it signify? If the old person is dead, he's gone. No more. Why do we try to make that our identity? How many times do we say, well, I can't do this, but God says I can. We're living in an identity of who we were, claiming God loves us and we're a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ says the old man is gone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do anything because I am in Christ. And we as a church are going to be implementing things and teaching and focuses on helping you understand. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. The sinner is gone, dead, and buried. Gone. He is underneath the water. He has risen again in new life in Christ. And helping you live. It's going to start, hopefully, in my prayer, if you want to hear my prayer and all the new focuses of CLF, here's my prayer. I pray mediocre, average Christians will become very uncomfortable here because of the dedication people have to Jesus in this room. That's my prayer. I pray if you're just here to check off, you will be a check off a Christian marker that you will be very uncomfortable here because of the sold out, fully surrendered, dedicated lives of the people of this church. But I can't make that for anybody. All I can say is that is the life this leadership team is going to live. And we're going to do teachings on Wednesday nights. We're going to do a lot of things. Starting this Wednesday night, we're going to have something, we're going to have uh, <clears throat> focused Wednesday nights on growing deeper in your walk with Christ. Deeper Wednesday nights. When you look on our app at all the information that's uh, like on Wednesday nights, you're going to see deeper Wednesday nights. 
Why do we call them that? You know, we used to call them that, and then something happened. Something happened where we started focusing on helping people where they're at rather than helping them be who they need to be. Don't get me wrong. I've taught classes on Wednesday night, whether it's finances, whether it's parenting, whether it's marriage, whether it's anything else. Here's the problem. Our first responsibility to you is to train you to be in Christ. So the beginning this Wednesday night, we are starting a class that we're going to have on a rotation basis that is going to be taught several times a year. And it's going to be an eight-week class. We call it the CLF core class. Why do we do that? Because it is the core of a tree. The core, the root system of a tree is what keeps it in place. It's what grows it strong. So the core class starting this Wednesday night is going to go through teaching you the basic principles, doctrines of CLF. It's going to teach you and what... The main idea is this, it's going to set you up at the end of eight weeks, hopefully to give you enough resources that you are now digging in deeper to God's word and who you are in Christ and preparing you to carry out what God has called you to be in Calera. So I encourage you, make sure you're at that class on Wednesday night. There's childcare available, so that's not an excuse. We stay up at late night to watch an Alabama football game, so time is really not the issue either. Or in my case, stay up to watch the Gold Cup. Man, the U.S. look good. Anyways, soccer for those who don't know what that is. Make it your goal to be here. Start becoming intentional with your walk with God. Bring a notebook. We're going to be in the fellowship hall, space permitting, we're going to be in the fellowship hall so we can have a table, we can have more of a classroom atmosphere because our goal is to give you and equip you what you need to be to learn who you are in Christ so you can live in that. So that's begin. Second thing, what is belonging? I'm going to park here for a minute. I know I only have, you know, another 10 minutes, but yeah, we'll see. Belong, simple. Begin in Christ. Belong in community. I read 90% of people who begin their walk with Jesus do so through an existing relationship. 90% of people who begin a relationship with Jesus do so through an existing relationship. Relationships, community, is huge. If we're going to reach the loss for Jesus, more than likely we're not going to do it by praying and never talking to anybody. Okay? We're going to do it through the relationships God gives us on a daily basis. Now, <clears throat> here's some things. First of all, we were made for community. And we're going to dig in uh, more into this at the end of August, 1st of September in our core class. But I want to highlight a few things. Genesis 2.8 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable for him. God understood that we do not do life well by ourselves. Even loners, probably, I know you may not agree with me, but I believe none of us need to do this life by ourselves. Now, here's an honest question I want to ask. Do not answer me out loud. How many of you are part of a community that challenges you to grow spiritually? That holds you accountable to the things that you say you want to do in your life, encourages you to live out your faith in a strong way, 
and at a place that you can feel safe, secure, and loved no matter what you do and who you are. On a personal basis, not this, personal. How many of us have a group of people that we call at 3 o'clock in the morning because we need somebody to pray with? Have that relationship. I'm guessing it's pretty few. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Now after this, the Lord Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going. Why do I have that verse in there? Because we have to understand, even Jesus understood we do not need to go into the world ministering by ourselves. He sent them out in pairs. We need to understand if we're going to reach the lost in Calera, we're going to need help. That doesn't mean I need Pastor Mark to go to work with me to be Christ to the people around me. That's not the point. But I need a community that I can come back to and say, man, I've had a really crappy day. That I can have somebody go, Sean, go, hey, man, you said that you were not going to be eating that food. Holding me accountable to the standard in which I said I wanted to live by. We need that community. And can I be honest with you? We do not have anything intentionally like that here right now. And that breaks me. Because how have I been here four years in knowing that that is a key part of what CLF is supposed to be about, what God has called us to, and not done more with it? That changes now. Because see, here's the thing. We have to understand. Do you realize the culture we live in? Think about the culture we live in in Calera. Think about how do people spend their time? What community did they live through? What's the number one community people live through? Facebook? Do you realize Facebook, if it was a population, would be the third largest country in the world? That's how many people. On, there's more people on Facebook than there are in the United States, people in the United States. Total. People are screaming for community. They're finding it in Instagram. They're finding it in Facebook. You know why? Because they, they love getting likes. Why do you get notification on how many people like your photo? Because it makes you feel good. Makes you feel why? Like people like you. And what happens when you check your notifications? You only got three likes on a picture. Let's just be honest. How many people in this room get disappointed? Okay, am I? Come on now, three people. Oh, I see it. I see it. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong group of people here. Because I see your posts on Facebook and I'm watching how many likes you get. So tell the truth. Because I know which of y'all haven't liked my photos too, so. Uh -huh. Why do you think John and Mark are always liking everybody? They're too afraid y'all people will do think that you're not going to like them. <laughs> Can I ask you an honest question, those who are on Facebook? If you've ever posted a picture or done something scripture online and haven't been liked by one of our pastoral staff, have you ever noticed and been disappointed? What does that tell you? That we're looking in the really, really bad places for our affirmation in our community. That's our body. What about the world who doesn't even have Jesus? 
what example are we setting? Man, we have a responsibility to be intentional to help people live life together. But you need to understand, we as a body will not water down the Word of God at the cost of growing a community or a congregation. We have to understand that there is responsibility in the community. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul describes a body. There is a body has many members. It's not right for the head to say this to the foot and say, well, I'm not needed. Or the hands to say this to the feet. Man, read it. That's ridiculous. Paul is literally making fun of the church because we have this idea that we're not needed and we're not desired because the truth of the matter is we have responsibility to each other. And you are going to hear and be taught, whether you implement it or not, that's on you. You will be taught the responsibilities you have. So let's hit on a couple of those responsibilities a community has to one another. Confess your sins and pray to one another. How many times have you confessed your sins to somebody else versus them having to call you out on them? How often do we sit down and pray for one another? Be hospitable to one another. How many times have you invited people within this body into your home and been a hospitable inside your own home? Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Submit to one another. Teach and admonish, which is to express warning or disapproval, a.k.a. hold people, hold one another to their commitment to follow Jesus. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Y'all take a picture of that and post it on your Facebook. Plant it on the mirror at home. Put it on the refrigerator. You know why? Because this is not the first, or this may be the first time, this will not be the last time. Acts 2.42 says this. Don't change it yet. Go back. Don't go back. I'll just, I'll wait. I'll just chill. We got to wait on Cindy for those listening on the podcast. Somebody, somebody will post. Don't worry. Somebody will post it on Facebook. You can just download it. Okay, we're gonna be good. We're gonna be good. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. <laughs> Acts four, Acts two forty two. By the way, if it gets hot in here, I have my apologies. We do have an AC guy coming to look at our AC. We're running on fifty percent capacity right now, which is why we crank it in the sixties when we first get here. Um, so that is in process. Total side note: edit that out of the podcast. Just kidding. Acts two forty two says they were continually devoting themselves. We're talking about the early church. When the church was exploding, when people were being added on a daily basis, thousands of people coming to Christ. That's the framework we're talking about when we say they. We're talking about the early church. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Our goal is to intentionally create a culture, culture here of devotion to one another. Devotion. If we want to grow in depth in our walk with Jesus, we must learn how to live in genuine relationships with a community of believers God has us in. And that doesn't just mean going to a small group. That means being devoted and committed to one another. So, beginning in October, we are beginning something called one another groups. People who may be around have may have heard of them, but I will tell you this, 
we are going to be different than in the history of CLF. Why? Because one word you're going to walk away with and you're going to hear over and over again for the next months is intentional. We are going to be intentional in everything we do. So when we begin one another group starting in October, technically we're going to start on 1st of August where you have one for sure, and that's the men's huddle on Monday nights, the first Monday in October. We're going to run it for eight weeks at a time. Eight weeks, take a week off. Eight weeks, take a week off. Eight weeks, take a week off. Why? Because people in our culture have issues with commitment, right? Come on now, I can get a bigger amen than that. We have some serious issues with commitment. We don't want to commit to anything. Anybody who is in business and customer service, how gear, I wish I, I knew. I miss probably, I get stood up at least three times a week by contractors because I say we're going to meet this time, this place, this location, and I'll see you at this time. I get a call 15 minutes after the time telling me I'm going to be late. Serious issues following through on what they say they're going to do. So, by breaking these one another groups up into eight weeks, in eight-week commitments, what we're going to encourage you to do is commit to eight weeks to a group of people. Now, granted, if this group is growing, if this group is loving, if this is a great environment and people are growing in their walk with Jesus, growing in community, well, it'll be eight weeks, take a week off, and restart again with the same group. There's no problem in that. But what that break does is it gives us a lot, uh, people who aren't growing and aren't in a good environment a chance to graciously get out, for lack of a better term. But what that also allows us to do is, as a leadership, every eight weeks, what's going to happen is we, as a leadership team, are going to evaluate our one another groups and go, is this positive growing community within our body? There's also, if this is something, and I could literally spend the next six hours talking about this. I was up to two o'clock in the morning because I could not sleep thinking through some of this details, just to let you know. I'm jacked. <laughs> you know why? We're built for community. We are built for community, and we have nothing in place right now to build it the way God wants us to build it. And starting this year, we're going to. That should excite you. Because you're going to have an opportunity to be around a group of people who truly live life together. But again, we have our responsibilities and you have yours. Are you going to take advantage of it? That's up to you. But the reason this is going to be so important is because Wednesday nights are going to be focused primarily on two things. Building who you are in Christ and building who you are Christ in culture. We're going to intentionally have classes on these two things. Not parenting, not finance. Plain and simple, we're going to teach you about theology. We're going to teach you about doctrine. And some things may be over your head, but let's just be honest. We need some people who are a little less shallow and a little more deep. In this, and not only in this church, but in church in general. We need depth. Because shallow things, according to the Bible, blow away when storms hit. And I've seen too many people come in and out of this church who have been blown away by when life hits them in the face. And I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't. So we're going to become more intentional with our Wednesday nights digging in deep roots 
into the Word of God and teaching people how to be disciples of Christ. In one another groups is going to give you an opportunity to come alongside in people's homes, primarily in people's homes. We may have a like the men's huddle, we're meeting at Bojangles. We may have those places, but it will be outside of these four walls because we need each other. We need commitment between each other. We need devotion between each other because without that, we are the same thing as the world. We're looking to Facebook and Netflix and Hulu for who we are, our identity and community, rather than looking to the body God has placed us in. Does that make sense? So, if that is something that would interest you, that you would like to either lead or want more information, talk to me first of all. You need to talk to me because this will be coming through me. Please do not go to Pastor Mark or Cindy. Do you understand? They have enough on their plates. That is why Mark came to me. And I'm not trying to make this super prideful, super everything else. Understand. These guys have a ridiculous amount on their plates. You want to know how much? Come at 8.30 on a Sunday morning and watch Mark. Don't say a word to him. Watch him. Count how many conversations they have. And count how many people say, how are you doing in your week? So, if this is something that interests you, come talk to me. Also, mark your calendar September 10th. And 17th, we are going to have a leaders training. If you would like to host or lead a one another group coming in October, you have to be at both of these meetings. Yes, we have a standard to this. Coming to both of these meetings guarantees you nothing. Because there will still be approval through the leadership of the church for any and every leader because you represent Jesus, and you represent the rest of this church. We need each and every new person and people outside of this church, when they come to one another group, we want to know and they need to know they are in a safe place through somebody who has been trained and approved through the leadership of this church to be there. Okay? It's not going to be your job to teach theology. It's not going to be your platform to share your belief system. That's not the point. That's what we have Sundays and Wednesdays for. This is a place 100% about giving people an opportunity to belong to a true community of people living life together. Does that make sense? Totally confused? I would hope not. So that's what Wednesdays are for. That's what one another groups are for. Let's get to become. This is where I believe ordinary Christians and true disciples of Christ begin to split. Because become is about being Christ in culture. This is no longer about focusing on me so I can get better. This is no longer about, man, I'm struggling with this or that. This is about getting a mindset of, I'm about to go to work. Who do I need to be today so that my employee or my boss sees Jesus in me? Now that is a shift. That is not mentality of most believers that I talk to today. That's not their thinking. Their thinking is, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm learning. This is where my mind is. This is where my focus is. It's not about who does my boss need me to be today. When we walk into church, is our mindset, this is who needs me to be Jesus to them today? Do we walk into that way? Or do we walk into, 
man, I need to be here. I need an upliftment. I need this. I need that. Like this is this is the split. Okay. One of the most not frustrating or aggravating things, the thing that kind of broke my heart most is when I sat down and talked to people specifically about become, what become meant to them. And practically every answer I got was about becoming who I needed to be. It was about me. And the truth of the matter is, begin is about you. Become is about becoming who you need to be to fulfill who God's left you here to be. Because if it was all about us, as soon as you received Jesus, what would happen? Bam, you're dead, you're out. Next. That's the point. The point of becoming, we need Christ in culture. So what does that look like? How do we need to do that? How do you become Christ in culture? And there's three passages I encourage you to go home tonight and dive into and really get into. The first one is this. John chapter 17, Under, three passages to help us understand how to be Christ in culture. First of all, we need an understanding of Jesus for his disciples in John 17 and how to be in the world. Okay, we are to be in the world, not of the world, but in the world. We can't look and go, man, how do I stay away from the world as much as possible? I need to be at church six nights a week. No, you don't. Jesus wants you in the world. He wants you to be Jesus in culture. He doesn't want you to be at church every night or at small group at one another groups every night. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be in the world. How do I know that? Read John 17. Read Jesus's prayer, his intimate prayer between him and the Father, specifically for the disciples and all people who will believe in me through them, which is all of us, Okay. So Jesus' prayer in, in John 17 is about you. And Jesus prays for you, not to be removed from the world, but that the Father will help you be Christ in culture in the world. We need a clear understanding that God is not calling us out of the world. He's calling us into the world, but to be Jesus instead of be the world. Second thing is this. We need... We have to become truly committed to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus says in Matthew 28, I don't know if it's up there. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded. This is not a simple task. How many people have gone back on the CLF app podcast and re-listened to uh, Pastor Mark's sermon on um, people on a mission back in June. Go do that. Go listen to the passion and enthusiasm he had in that message. Passion and enthusiasm. Go listen to your own message and tell me you don't have passion and enthusiasm. Go listen to that message because you need to understand we are on a mission. And in order to be Christ in culture, to truly become who God wants you to be at CLF, you have to truly sell out and be committed to the call he has you, which is the great commission to go into all the world, baptize them, and then teach them what Christ commanded. Here's the problem. We focus on the going and the baptizing. We want to go and we want to show them Christ and save them. Awesome. But then what does he say? There's a third part of this. What does he say? Teach them 
all that I've commanded to you. How many times over the past six months or 12 months, I, I just think to yourself, six to 12 months, how many times have you sat down with somebody who is newer in Christ than you are and taught them something from God's word that Jesus commanded them to do? That's a great commission. That's the lifestyle we are committed to being. A fully surrendered God, or fully surrendered disciple, that's the lifestyle we are called to live. And if we're not doing that, we are not failing. You're not failing CLF. You're failing him. I'm failing him when I don't do that. Understand, this message comes from looking inwardly at myself and seeing all the failures that I had in my life. Because I was not discipling. I wasn't committed to a lifestyle of Matthew 28. That is the intentional focus that we have as leadership here is to take this church into intentionally fulfilling the Great Commission, all three parts. Not focused on building a congregation, not focused on building a church building, building committed, fully followers of Jesus who will then go and make disciples, teaching others what God commanded them. Does that make any sense? This is a commitment. This is where we're going. This is our focus, is to do all three. The third thing is this. Add to your faith, as Paul describes in 2 Peter chapter 1. We need to understand a fully surrendered life to God is the beginning point. However, it is a process. Right? It's a process. Read with me 2 Peter 1, 3-9. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him, who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply. If you have a different version, it may say add. I encourage you, underline that. Because this is something you add. This is not something that just comes naturally when you accept Jesus. This is something you intentionally, diligently add. Add to your faith, moral excellence, and in your moral faith, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are... Say that with me increasing, say it one more time, increasing, they render you neither useless or unfruitful until the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. If we are not in a constant growth in our walk with God, we have forgotten the whole point. The whole purpose of us and our salvation is not just about heaven. It's about reaching to our community, reaching out to those who are around us, and teaching them how to add to their faith. And I encourage you, be diligent, be intentional. Join us in this intentionality. Become Christ in culture. That's what Wednesday nights, that's why we call them deeper, because we want you to dig in deeper into your walk with God. We want you to go deeper. There is more. There will never be a point in your life where you have enough knowledge wisdom about God. Because if you did, he's not a big enough God. I'm reading a book right now by A.W. Tozer. 
Knowledge of the Holy. Incredible book. It will wreck you. Because I'm reading, I just read a chapter that said if there was a limit to your to God to where you could understand God, He is not who He said He is, and He is a created being. So we are created beings. We will never get to the point where we could ever fully understand or get enough of God. There's always more. There's always deeper. Are you going to join us in becoming intentional about digging in deeper? This Wednesday night is when it starts. What are you going to be doing on Wednesday night that is more important than digging in deeper to who you are in God, belonging to a community, and becoming Christ? You're going to say it by the time you, whatever you do on Wednesday nights. I hope we cannot have our class in the fellowship hall. I really hope we'll have the AC fixed by Wednesday night. That's my hope. But listen, the whole point of this is to become intentional with everything. And I challenge you, are you going to join us in this? You may go, okay, well, you, you've talked for, you know, 40 minutes. What's the whole point? The whole point is this. The goal of CLF is for you to begin. Find your identity in Christ. To belong to a community who are living life together. Chasing after Jesus. Jesus relationships, authentic relationships, living up to the responsibilities the Bible has outlined us? And are you going to become Christ in culture? Beyond these walls, beyond just your quiet time in the morning, are you going to become Christ in culture? Because that, from this day on, every Wednesday night, every Sunday, every one another group, that is our focus. Because we want we will not stand before God, look Him in the face, and say, we did our best when we know He didn't. We're going to do our best. I hope you join us in this. That's why we have these. Do you know why we have these? So you can identify with us. That's why we have these. Why do we have these? There's thinking little stickers. It's so that every time you go to the car, you can identify and you can remember who I'm called to be. The body God has called me to be with. Why did I put this on my mug? I mean, let's just be honest. The people I work with live in North Birmingham. I live in Montevallo. The church is in Calera. More than likely, I was going to have a hard time getting them here. But every day I pick up my mug, I remind who I am, who I'm called to be because I'm called to be part of CLF. And so every day I'm reminded, that's who I am. That's who I'm called to be. That's part of the community and the body that I am called to be part of. Sell these out. (laughs) I don't care. We're not making money off these things. I want you to be reminded every day who you are, what you're a part of. Join us in this, because the truth of the matter is, We are in a losing battle right now with our culture. You know, I had to be very honest with where I was as a leader in this church. I had to be honest with where we are in discipleship in this church. And that was one of the most uncomfortable things I've done in all my years here at this church. But 
those times have helped me realize the areas I'm lacking in. And sometimes that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Because now I go, I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. I know where I'm going to be tomorrow night at 7.30. Do you know where? McDonald's in Montevallo. Meeting with a guy to go through a multiply movement discipleship program. Because over the past six months, I've been discipling. Why? That's what I'm called to be. Join us in this. This may not, it's like, well, what's changing? Our focus. Man, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of statistics showing the decline in the Christian church. Fight back. I'm a little ticked off at the enemy. Get a little ticked off with me. Join us in this. Sell out. Commit. If God has called you to be part of CLF, this is who we are. This is where we're going. Turn it over to Mark. Um, I love this guy. You will. It's it's hilarious. So, um, oh, he hates this. I sent the notes to him, right? And I sent the notes to John. I said, look, we've had four months of meetings, and uh, here, here's, here's where I want to go. Here's what I've, here's on paper. Is this where we want to go? Because I don't want this to be my words. I want this to be our word. Where are we going? I got one response back, right? What is that response, Mark? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, just take the focus off us and put it back on Jesus. Yeah. No, 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 no. He said, take the focus off of me. Make sure you put it on the church. On Christ. Stand. I don't get a chance to do this very often. That right there is the heart of your pastor. You need to understand, first of all. Never will you hear Mark make the focus about himself. Ever. You're not going to hear Bill do it. You're not going to hear Steve do it. You're not going to hear John do it. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But here's the honest truth. When you see this man, I hope you're praying for him daily. Because whatever you're going through, more than likely, it's already filtered through his life. If you're part of this body, if you're dedicated, as we begin to dedicate ourselves to one another, in unity as one body moving forward intentionally in direction, you know who's going to take the brunt of this, right? An incredible leader who selflessly serves this church. Was anybody else at Walmart this morning picking up supplies for our church? Or wherever you went. I don't know where you went this morning. But every Sunday morning, he's either at Walmart, pick and save, or somewhere else because there's something they need and he always goes and serves. That's who we have. That's who we have. Because this man, in the words of Paul, says, follow me as I follow Christ. I love you, and I appreciate you.